now everything you say has potential to being either like in the show or before and after when James puts like the weird bloopers in. So watch what you say. Yeah. It's forever on the internet. Exactly. Always. Welcome to the Good Games Podcast. My name is James. That was way louder and more like action-packed than ever before. Yeah, well, it's a special occasion because we're not the only ones here. No, I'm Leo. I'm here as usual, but we have someone else in the midst. Yep. Whoa! Whoa, who was that? <laughs> John Shahada. Oh, man! <laughs> the way you just said your name was like... um. Like, like you just chose a character in a fighting game. John, yeah. <laughs> like, I would, I would, I really want to play that game where the three of us are on the <laughs> roster. Yeah. So after last week's strategy game episode, where I really struggled coming up with my list of strategy games because I don't play a whole lot of strategy games, uh, and being confronted with this week's topic, which is shooters and player unknowns battlegrounds, I felt way out of my depth. So we are having John Shahada on the show who plays uh uh way more shooters than me at least and who has played a whole lot of player unknowns battlegrounds which is our main topic today indeed, indeed. glad to join you guys yeah it's good to have you so what's been going on with you guys uh you first john tell us about your your week um i got a nintendo switch recently yes oh, man so I've been enjoying that. Uh, picked up Breath of the Wild as yes! recommended from the other guys here, and yeah, uh, yeah just been enjoying it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it's safe to say I think that really it was because of us that you got that in Breath of the Wild, and you know, you the listeners out there, like if you listen to us, you're gonna get so much out of these games. You just gotta trust us. Yeah, episode number one, Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was uh, I was torn between that and uh, Super Mario Odyssey, and uh, I think it was a pretty clear choice after the recommendation. So I'm glad well, it went. Mario's down. also really good, but I mean, you can't go wrong with her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure eventually you'll play both. Yeah. So what's been going on with you, Leo? Uh, well, I mean, pretty much the same as before. A lot of League of Legends, a uh, lot of uh, Magic tournament uh, practice. And a lot of drumming. Uh, the drumming has gone very interestingly. Like, I, it's my first time, like, actually trying to record anything, like, myself. Mm-hmm. You know, like, video recording and video editing and uploading to YouTube and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. it's been a lot of learning experience with that. Uh, so, it's taking a little longer than expected to get, like, my first episode up there. But, okay, okay. I was looking uh, for your channel the other day. Yeah, didn't didn't quite set off as quickly as I could. But I think this week it's definitely going to happen. So, look out. Ooh. Um, yeah, I have been, uh, I don't know, just playing video games and, yeah. uh, just hanging out and playing video games. Well, uh, I know, I know one video game you, you played this week. Yeah. Which one's that? I know because the three of us in this room all played it. The three of us in this virtual room all played yes. player unknowns battlegrounds. Dun, dun. Um, so being the person who has played the least of of this type of game uh i'm going to ask uh, i don't know any either of you can take this what the hell is player unknowns battlegrounds that's a good question uh i'll take it (laughs) take it take it (laughs) Uh, i would describe that game as basically um Battle Royale, third person slash first person shooter. At the basic level, a Battle Royale game is named after like that old Japanese movie, Battle Royale, mm. uh, in which the last man standing or woman um, is the victor. Uh, so, you know, think Hunger Games, think Battle Royale, the Japanese movie, think King of the Hill sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's interesting about these games, uh, there's others like it now, is that you start out with virtually nothing and you have to find everything like to gear up as it were you don't have really any guns you don't have anything for protection but you find ammo guns gear and then try to kill other enemies and they drop their gear so you can always get better gear just by you know killing other people and eventually when you're the last one left you are the winner winner chicken dinner 
yeah, I've heard of this uh, mythical winner winner chicken dinner, and I played, you know, a handful of uh, player unknowns battlegrounds, PUBG, PUBG, uh, and uh, definitely didn't get a winner winner chicken dinner uh, because I realized a I'm bad at shooters, and b you're in uh, a competition with like a hundred other people, so the odds are not in your favor. They're not, uh, and yet. The, you know, the, the, the chicken dinner is this um, trophy that, you know, everyone thinks about, you know, it's kind of tantalizing you drool a little bit. Uh, and it's 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 this holy, holy grail, you know, uh, and you want it really bad. But at the same time, there's a lot of people who just kind of on a regular like get like, I don't know, like one or two wins a day, which is pretty impressive. What? Yeah. It's like, I mean, streamers, you know, um, okay. and, you know, people who are who effectively get paid to sit there and play the game all day you know? who's that but. famous streamer there's ninja who are not ninja ninja plays Fortnite, but there's another guy mr mr disaster or uh, you're talking about dr disrespect dr disrespect there you go he's a legend right james, you know who dr disrespect is <laughs> no okay oh, wait james james for real you need to check this guy out listen to me dr disrespect is a twitch person at personality it's the first of his kind. He's not Leo Jerez is live on Twitch, right? He's not that. Uh-huh. He's this other. He's a guy who's acting as a character named Doctor Disrespect with full green screen, a full costume, right? He has like a wig, like a mu- a mullet wig, sunglasses. He always has his headset on, like this weird bulletproof vest thing, and a thick a cop, mustache. Cop mustache, right? I mean, a big handlebar like biker stash, right? Like super, like ridiculous. But he has this personality that he portrays of being like this, I'm the best, I'm the two-time back-to-back 1993-1994 blockbuster video game champion. You know, this is what he says like the beginning of every episode. I would would say he single-handedly is responsible for making PUBG very popular. Probably. Since he streamed it so much. Yeah, he really is. He has like 30,000 streamers watching him like at any given minute of the day. And I I would say, I would go even further as to say he single-handedly has changed what Twitch is capable of because this guy is making bank off of a fake character that he portrays on stream. Anyway, but yeah, he plays a lot of PUBG. Before we talk specifically about PUBG, there are a couple other games that you can play that are very similar. There are other Battle Royale games. John, like, what is your opinion about PUBG versus Fortnite versus H1Z1 or all the other Battle Royale games? Uh, I would say that, um, you know, I think after seeing gameplay and, and kind of watching some of the streams and uh, I would argue that they're all kind of their own unique twist on, on those kind of different games. Uh, I think Fortnite appeals more widely just because the matches are a little shorter. I think uh, like I mentioned Ninja earlier, he streamed with Drake. Uh, I think like H1Z1 is kind of its own game in, in its own way. And if, uh, if you watch kind of the interviews with the PUBG creator, uh, he'll openly admit that, he helped, I think, I think he helped with the H1Z1 mode, but he had his own idea and, and that kind of didn't inter- interfere with what he wanted to create. So That's true. Yeah, those are all good points. Yeah, that's, that's one thing that really uh, kind of surprised me playing PUBG for the first time is how long the matches go. Like when that one game that the three of us played went for, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, like the, here's here's the interesting thing about match length with PUBG. There's two ways to play PUBG, and they the way the game feels differs significantly depending on how you play it. Number one is like you you start out in this airplane that that goes across the entire map, and you can eject at any point, um, and then parachute down to where you want to. The map is designed such that certain places have a higher concentration of loot, basically that you can high high level gear that you can get machine guns and level you know highest level armor and all that so everyone likes to go to those spots and if you drop with everybody else with nothing and race to the gear to try to loot up chances are you're gonna die really quick be able to restart right away a new game and try again basically over and over and over and then the second way to play the game is uh, to land like in some like village in the offskirts that doesn't have any gear really maybe like a few things but you can survive longer because not everyone's dropping in that area so there's less people ergo less fighting and less chances to die that ends up with you surviving longer but sometimes the game you'll be alive for like 30 minutes and then you just die (laughs) and then uh, you're like there's like 20 people still alive you know um so it's kind of like a double-edged sword 
Well, that's kind of how the, how we played in that last match that went so long. And when the matches go that long, like PUBG has like the pacing and tension of like any of the best survival horror games, like because you never know if you're alone by yourself and safe or if there's somebody like right around the corner waiting to kill you and like a firefight's about to break out at any moment. Like it was oh, yeah. it was pretty tense. Like that that yeah. that surprised me. Yeah, no, there I mean it's it's honestly some of the most intense like adrenaline pumping um scenarios I've ever experienced in a game has been just like uh probably more so playing solo. I think you feel it a little bit more like intense. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in squads, yeah, like there's times where just, you know, you're wondering like who's around and out of nowhere you see another team and then you get into this big firefight. Um, so yeah, that definitely heart pump in action. It's funny how exercising restraint on, on action can like make it way more tense because if you contrast this to like Overwatch or Team Fortress or, you know, uh, um, Counter-Strike or any of the like other popular uh, first person like multiplayer shooters like those games are basically just constant action but it never feels tense because you're just always in the action like it it never you never feel that like uh, tension and like uh anticipation of of what's going to happen next because there's always something happening i think oh, i think part of that is dependent on the fact that death is meaningless in all of those games like you just spawn you just die and spawn and you spawn again. And, and that's kind of how the gameplay loop is. But this is more like you're invested in the time it takes mm-hmm. to build your character. And when you die, that's way more meaningful than a lot of those right. other games. Because it does take a while to get there, right? Because the games are longer. So right. what the cl- the farther along you get in the game, the, the more that death impacts you, right? Oh, yeah. Which is why I asked you that question. And I think that games like Fortnite, I agree, are a little bit more um, appealing to the general public because they're shorter. They're a little bit more, I don't know. Yeah. And and simple, I guess. I don't know. But you know, PUBG was originally came from this, the same design as uh, DayZ, which was a mod on the Arma uh, military simulator. So the game has like this um, almost rigid feel like the movement and the gunplay is very, targeted to be a little bit more like a simulation of, a, of, a, of actual gunfire and stuff. Whereas these other games, you know, they're shorter and they're more, uh, they're faster and they're, you know, arcade-y. a little bit more arcadey. Right. Um, so I personally, you know, this is the reason I, I enjoy PUBG a little bit more than those games. I think that you don't get that same level that James was talking about of adrenaline, of, of intensity in those other kind of arcadey games as you do in this game where things just feel a little bit more, uh, you know, just simulated uh, towards like that military feel. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment for sure. In fact, I would say, you know, John, you've played a lot of those other games that James mentioned that are like, you know, a little bit faster paced and, and don't quite have that same level of intensity. And I have too. And coming to PUBG, a lot of those skills didn't really transfer over. <laughs> uh, like I found myself dying a lot in this game. Yeah, I you know, I think it's because of the different formula. Like a lot of those other games where death is more meaningful, it's still like a team-based match game or it's elimination. Like death is still it's not meaningless, but it's still uh not as impactful as say PUBG where, you know, you invest way more in a match than you do in a match of uh like CS:GO where again, death is a little more meaningful there. I think not only is it more meaningful, but also like James, I, I feel like we didn't really get a, a chance to to play some more and really get into what I like about the squad based play. But the game, you know, you can be played in either solo, duo, or squads, and obviously you're solo, and then you have a you know, different number of teammates. Once you get into the squad play, coming up on another team with you know a four versus four or three versus three or whatever. Mm-hmm. Other games have tried to do this, um, either using some sort of cover mechanics or like, you know, uh, capture this objective or whatever. They try to get people to have like a, a tactical, you know, a, like th- way of thinking to a shooter. Like, hey, you have to flank your opponent. And if you're, you know, in this type of terrain, it'll, you know, make your your fighting better. All this stuff. They try to use game mechanics to enforce that. The interesting thing about PUBG is it's kind of like an open field with a bunch of buildings or whatever and that that just puts the hands in the players and you find yourself 
doing those tactical things that other games have tried to force players into naturally like flanking maneuvers and you know holding objectives like holding the center of the circle or or holding key you know points all this stuff that other games try to like force on the players PUBG just happens naturally in these team fights um i wish you could have seen a little bit more of that i don't know if you remember that being the case with us yeah that's super that's super cool the the way that sounds i was basically just following you guys around like a lost puppy dog (laughs) yeah i would argue that um i think we saw a little bit of that because i you know when we were getting shot at i think there was a lot of tension there and kind of figuring out where the origin of the shots are and (laughs) i've definitely i've come into situations playing in squads where there'll be like a house um and we know that there's a team of you know two guys left in there and then there's like uh a road and then we hear a car coming and like i'm with my team and i'm like okay we have to quickly come up with a plan you know do we engage the people in the house clear the rooms and then take that as our defensive position and wait for the people coming in the car uh you know do we let them fight and then clean up after like all these like in the moment decisions you have to make it really feels like you're in combat which is really impressive mm-hmm. for a game to do with not a whole lot to the game you know yeah, that's uh, that's that's before before I started playing with you guys, I played a couple matches solo and having never played a like any of these like battle royale games. Uh, yeah, I so wanted to know what your first impression was going into solo alone, like off the bat. OK, my first impression was what the hell is going on? <laughs> OK, so I knew the basic <laughs> I knew the basic premise, which was like, OK, it's, you know, one verse versus 100 or one versus 99, whatever. And you're you're in a, a war zone and there is a blue circle that appears that gradually shrinks. So it, it forces all of the combatants slowly together. So the numbers naturally dwindle down. But I had this game has has like an old school pc like hardcore sensibility where like oh you'll figure it out like there is absolutely no tutorial whatsoever there's no explaining game concepts there is like this game just assumes you already know how to play Mm -hmm. uh which i definitely didn't (laughs) and there are like there were like game mechanics which i was totally just baffled by in my first couple rounds playing so i told you like um i think it was my second or third game it was like you are in the red zone, and I had no idea. I still don't really understand what that means. Uh, and then I just died in the red zone. It said, did you, really, "Did you get hit by the bombs?" Yes, I don't know. Oh. Yes, that was my first question as well when he said that. That's awesome. <laughs> but what does that mean? Like, I still don't. I th- that's I don't get it. The red zone is actually one of the the d- designs of the game that I I don't fully understand why they really have it in there. Like what the purpose of the red zone is, but what happens is randomly within the, I think it's within the safe zone of like the, the circle that you're going to be safe when the blue is finished coming in to your area. Um, somewhere within there, they just choose a random spot and they call it the red zone and then they bombard it with shells like artillery fire. So I think it's a modifier, and I think the purpose, at least from word of mouth, I don't know. We, I haven't looked it up, but uh, apparently it's a mechanic used to prevent people from just camping within the white circle, because otherwise it would just be boring if everyone was hiding inside the circle all the time. So I think the idea is that it's supposed to get you moving if you're a player stuck in the red zone. Yeah, because if you stay in that red zone, like you, you run the risk that you're just going to get hit by a bomb like James and die. So get to moving for sure i mean yeah that i I mean it's interesting because obviously the lack of any tutorialization or explaining of game mechanics definitely didn't stop either of you guys and obviously there's a huge community behind this game who like i guess all of the stuff just spreads by either word of mouth or like a wiki article or whatever but like that was a huge barrier of entry to me coming to this um this genre that i had never played before which i i I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because like one of my favorite games is dark souls and that game infinite infamously doesn't explain anything at all to you just similar to PUBG. um but i don't know that was something i was just like what the hell is that like just dying and then like not even knowing why you died was like all right yeah it's a little bit more frustrating though because like unlike dark souls you know in this case, you have other players involved, so it's a little bit more frustrating. Like when you you hear the other players talking and bad mouthing you, and you suck. Like what? What some guy was telling us, like 
we suck dick or whatever. Like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yes, I enjoyed that. <laughs> you know, so so it's a little bit more frustrating, I think. But I agree. But here's the thing: I, I'm not sure if it's by design, like in Dark Souls, where they just don't want to hold your hand at all, or mm-hmm. if it's just because a lot of these games, and like you said, is this kind of this PC culture. These are games that are released in like the alpha stage or like the early access. Yeah, early access, right. So this was an early access game. And so, and I think, in my opinion, it still kind of is. <laughs> like the game is released on console and all this stuff and officially is version one. But to me, the uh, the game is not optimized really fully and there's still like glitchy parts and there's no tutorial and all that kind of stuff. It screams to me like a game that's not exactly finished yet. So sometimes I wonder if that's actually why those things are like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I- I, I couldn't tell if it was just like it, this game being coming from like um being a mod of Arma, right? This is an Arma two mod. Yes, it, it kind of started out like that. Yeah, I, I didn't know if it was the history of just being a mod and they never bothered to add a tutor- tutorial, or if it was like just part of the like they'll figure it out PC game culture, or if this was like an intentional decision to not tutorialize anything. I don't know. Yeah, to the point uh, of it not kind of having that polished of like tutorials and whatnot i think for the longest time and i know we mentioned it while i was playing what we were playing but um the death cam was recently added like not recently recently but uh that game had a long point in its life cycle where you would die and you would have no idea how you died you would just die yeah, and that's uh, true. it's very brutal because you you know you're playing like i said you're playing 20 30 minutes and you just die that's it <laughs> yeah that could definitely happen i could see that being frustrating yeah yeah uh they also added in a more a recent uh updates um vaulting which allows you to scale over walls and and kind of bust out of windows with a simple space bar whereas originally in the game for like you said for a long points in its life cycle you had to like do this glitchy like jump and crouch at the same time to jump out of windows and you couldn't really jump over walls so they were kind of op so you know they they've definitely made improvements to the game over the last few months uh or years or whatever but i i still think the game is not really finished yet um and i think that's part of the reason fortnite is a big competition for it i think fortnite is actually more optimized and ready for release than PUBG is. Yes. I think also what Fortnite has going in its favor. Okay. I, and uh, disclaimer, I've never played Fortnite, but just looking at like footage and screenshots, that game like looks like it has a much stronger sense of identity, like especially aesthetically, because I mean, PUBG is basically just, you know, military shooter, whatever. But right. Fortnite, Fortnite really looks like it has a, a personality. Unfortunately, the part I, like, I totally agree with that. And I, I get why Fortnite has kind of taken over the, the PUBG popularity. But the, they're two completely different games to me. Like, mm-hmm. in Fortnite, the Battle Royale mode is um, a mod of the original kind of Minecrafty play. So they they left in the um, building mechanics and the fact that you can kind of gather materials and build walls and stairs and stuff. So a lot of that game is literally, oh, Someone's shooting at me. I'm going to quickly build a wall, surround myself with wooden walls so I can't be shot at, and then take my time and reload and stuff like that. Yeah, I can't say that's my favorite mechanic. It's it's kind of ridiculous. Like yeah. it's a total it's a totally different game if you're really in it for like gunplay and feeling like a tactical, you know, military feel. It's totally you can't play that game, yeah. which I cannot play that game. I can't mm. play that either. Um okay, uh do we want to I guess any last things to say about PUBG before we move on? Um, are you still playing regularly, Leo? Uh, am I still playing regularly? Well, I have a group of uh, coworkers who play. Shout out to them. Okay. Almost, almost every night they play. Um, and I do not play with them. So if I were <laughs> to say yes, they would probably be mad at me. So I will say that I play once or twice a week. Right, right. What about you? I- I will honestly say that I had more fun than I thought it was going than I was going to uh, only because I don't I don't know just for whatever reason I just gravitate away from shooters for I don't know whatever for some reason so I had more fun than I thought I was going to am I ever going to revisit this game in the near future uh, probably not yeah. <laughs> not unless I like force you to or something right 
Yeah, something like that. Yeah, if if both of you are on and then you're like, James, come play. Like, all right, fine, I'll come play. But yeah. We might do that in the near future. <laughs> oh, damn it. All right, well, I guess I'll be playing in the near future then. <laughs> hey, you got to admit, us like in this underground bunker, like afraid of the people above us making noise <laughs> was pretty funny. Like, that, that, was, was that was fun. That was fun. I was right? I was replaying that scenario in my head like a few times. I'm like, what if we had just got out of the tunnel a little bit we earlier? We should have just left the tunnel. Yeah. yeah, I told you we should have left the tunnel. No, you were the one who said to go back in. You no, were the one that who was Shahada. That was Shahada. I wanted to leave right when we first saw those guys. Well, there was there was guys outside, and I shot at them, so they knew that we were in there. So I didn't. I wanted. I want. Well, see, my my normal strategy is when we see people, kill them. Yeah. So I mean I'm I'm all about just like John's John, a blazing. John's strategy is shoot and then run away. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, if you don't kill him, you gave away your position. So yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. All right, you guys want to move on to our uh, top five now? Originally, because last last episode we had top five strategy games, and I think we both decided that was casting a little bit too wide of a net. So uh, this time we're doing top five first person shooters, right? Not just shooters, right? Right, and specifically this because although PUBG is originally designed as a third-person game, um, they later added the first-person-only um, perspective, and I and many others, unlike Shahada, are of the belief that first-person is the only way to play PUBG. So, <laughs> henceforth, the top five today is top five favorite first-person shooters. Okay. All right. Awesome. I am going to recuse myself from this top five list and listen to your two much more uh, informed opinions about shooters, only because I, I, like I said, usually gravitate away from shooters. So um, uh, why don't we have our guest, uh, John Shahada, begin with his number five? Okay. I think you should. Uh, I really struggled coming up with this list, and I'll probably have a different opinion once this podcast ends. But nonetheless, number five for me is Doom, the new Doom. Oh, nice! Classic, classic. Yep. Um, No, not classic. New Doom. New Doom Doom 2016. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but it's still the classic Doom. It's still the newest. So I I don't know if any of you guys have played it, but uh, basically... You know, I hadn't played any of the original Dooms really all that much. I mean, I, I've had seen, played a bit of it, but I was not like the old school guy in his 30s who's grown up on Doom kind of person. Now you uh, made us feel old. Thanks, John. <laughs> Wait, did you guys play the original ones back in the yeah, day? Yeah, what? Yes. Well, that's more James than me, but yeah. Yeah, okay. So yeah, I mean, uh, I think in a world like that's saturated with all these shooters, um, I think we're seeing less and less like si- solid single player uh, shooter campaigns, and I think Doom is Doom Four or however you want to call it, rebooted Doom. It's kind Doom of like a, yeah, Doom twenty sixteen. There you go. That game um, is like a re- like a just breath of fresh air in terms of there's no regenerating health. There, it's old school. Uh, throwback the the visuals are really impressive just all around great game yeah that i i have played a little bit of doom 2016 i actually get to chime in on this one um that game is like super fast paced and i i like the it is the opposite of PUBG, right if PUBG is tense because there's nothing happening doom is tense because there is always things shooting at you and you're dodging and you're going in and you're punching things and shooting more things reloading and then like the music is just hammering in your ears uh like yeah it was it was really good i did not finish it but i i enjoyed what i played of doom 2016 okay so uh my number five it it kind of hit me when we started talking about first person shooters i came up with you know my top three pretty quickly but then as i thought about my four and five this one kind of snuck up on me and i was like oh yeah that's number five number five is for the nintendo 64 perfect dark oh okay all right that's a a a goodie right you don't always think about this game when it comes to first person shooters because like especially on nintendo 64 like the reigning fps you know game was like golden eye you know i think was what everyone remembers Mm -hmm. perfect dark was i mean effectively a clone of goldeneye Mm -hmm. but they had this kind of uh sci-fi spin was it was it a, a completely unique um origin like the story and stuff was that 
based on anything. I, I think that was totally <laughs> all original. I think really interesting kind of like world um, almost reminds reminds me of like kind of like Deus Ex sort of thing. And they had like this whole alien concept. It, it was crazy uh, sci-fi sort of feel, but the mechanics were that of kind of GoldenEye expanded upon. So, I mean, they had newer you know, like maps and guns and um, a few mechanics that were different. So it had the same formula that made GoldenEye 007 so good, but a unique uh, spin on the, on the story and, 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 setting and stuff that made uh also the so the i think there was some like secret like easter eggs that were kind of like puzzly and stuff throughout all the maps yeah i've had a lot of fun with uh perfect dark yeah, yeah. P- psa those n64 shooters don't age well but you know well yeah of course it's uh it's funny you mentioned that because uh i think a lot of people were expecting when microsoft acquired rare to produce another perfect dark game and it just never panned out i think that would probably do really well though like if if they made like a perfect dark with like you know next gen graphics and stuff like the setting and the story and and stuff was so unique that i think a lot of people would gravitate towards that yeah i would love to play a next gen or current gen perfect dark anyway uh let's move on to number four mr shahada um so my number four i had a hard time placing this on the list but rainbow six siege is my number four all right yeah um i figured a competitive shooter has to be first person shooter has to be on here somewhere and this is aptly where i placed it so rainbow six siege i don't know if you guys are familiar with it but quick I'm, intro i'm very familiar with rainbow six siege yeah uh rainbow six siege it's a game it's a tactical four four versus four is it four versus yeah it's or it's five versus five it's 5v5 5v5 uh tactical 5v5 almost class-based shooter uh mm-hmm. a lot of the characters have these you you start off the game picking a character if you're on the attacking side or defending side and there's an objective that you usually have to defend or obtain and so each of the characters have these unique abilities and i think it's kind of this culmination of kind of uh the best pieces of in all of modern gaming uh, you have people who have special abilities, kind of like ultimates from uh, like MOBAs or other games. Uh, you have destructible environments, which uh, is kind of a buzzword in the in the gaming industry lately. Like, oh, we can you can destroy stuff, but this this game, um, the game's maps kind of leverage the destruction and the benefit mm-hmm. of uh, the tactical tactical tacticalness. Yeah, there's there's actual like strategy behind destroying certain parts of the map and stuff yeah you and you just don't want to willy-nilly destroy things because that may or may not uh break your cover and uh ruin ruin the match for you i think also it's not a running gun full-on call of duty action style game or doom or um so yeah i think the culmination of all that and the fact that it's a reasonably paced match, you're not sitting there waiting forever in between matches, really lends the game to the game very well. If I could think of one word for that game, I would say it's ruthless. There's zero tolerance on like precision um, or like if you make too much noise, like if a stray bullet grizzes, grazes past your ear, you'll feel it. Like it's it's one hit will kill you. you know? Yes. Um, so it's it's uh, intense and for many different reasons than something like PUBG is, but um, yeah, really really solid game. Um, my number four, I think you guys will maybe James actually you might have more opinion about this than than John. I don't know. Mm. I also don't know if this strictly qualifies, <laughs> uh, but in my opinion, it's first person and you have to aim at things and effectively pull the trigger. Okay. My number four is Pokemon Snap. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Great. (laughs) Great. Yes. Good. Very good. So literally, if you mouse, not mouse, but, you know, as your crosshair reticle went over a Pokemon, it would, like, turn red to let you know, like, at that instant, if you press fire, it'll capture that image. Uh, You had to wait for them to be facing a certain way or, you know, be fully visible or whatever. And it was kind of more of a rail shooter. than giving you full control you're on this like roller coaster and all these pokemon would be flying around but that game i played probably even more than you know as i aforementioned um goldeneye the 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 classic nintendo 64 shooter i played 
a crap ton of Pokemon Snap, trying to get all those secret Pokemon and unlock all the little Watchman gadgets. So, do you guys have any opinions on that? I love it. That's a great pick. <laughs> right? I was so excited to pick this today. The, the interesting thing about the game mechanic was that, like, certain Pokemon would only appear for, like, a split, like, a few frames and only in, like, the most small little area. And as you said, controls did not really um, age very well. Like, even back then, like, trying to move that analog stick to, like, you know, that pixel-perfect position to get ready for that Pokemon to appear. And you would fail many, many times, which is actually frustrating. But then you would, like, repeat the same level over and over, and each time you'd find, like, new Pokemon and new little, like, spots or whatever. And if you, like, had to wait for certain things to interact, like, in the game, like, certain Pokemon would run into each other or cause explosions or something, like, and you'd have to wait for certain things to happen to get a chance to get a picture of the next Pokemon that you wanted. So um, had a lot of replayability. And you got to see all your favorite Pokemon from the, you know, from the games and the shows and everything. So a lot of appeal to us young kids. John, what's your number? What are we on now? Four? Three? Uh, three. 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 Oh, whoa. What's your number three? Um, so my number three is uh, Battlefield Bad Company 2. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So this is actually one of the older shooters on my list. Um, oh, God. Older shooters. Come God. On. Oh, my God. Get the hell out of here. Battlefield Oh my god! Well, it's so old in in the series of Battlefield, there's been several Battlefields that have come out. <laughs> yeah, go, go ahead, go ahead. So yeah, basically, I don't mean old, old. Um, so basically, uh, the reason why I picked this one for number three, um, so I, I, I mentioned earlier, destructible environments, and uh, I think this game was kind of underrated in the amount of destruction that you could have. And again, I think maybe so. Let me back up a second. Uh, it's basically a much larger scale um, matches, two teams. Uh, it's two nations usually fighting each other. So a lot of the times there, there was a there was this mode called, uh, I forgot what the exact name of the mode, but there was this objective-based mode. Um, conquest, I think. Con- it might have been Conquest. Yeah, it's usually what it's called for Battlefield. Yeah, so Conquest, uh, one of the objective-based modes, uh, you're basically supposed to, it's asymmetrical, one side defends, one side attacks. Uh, the attacking side is supposed to plant bombs on these two checkpoints, and once they're both blown up, then the map gets pushed back. Uh, there's two new, two new objectives to take out. Um, I think this was the first game that really capitalized on that system, and all the battlefields since have had some version of Conquest. Uh, but re- really, the destructible nature of the game, which hasn't been really put into the game ever since, uh, there was this unintended side effect, or maybe it was intended. Uh, you could take out objectives by destroying the buildings that were uh, ho- hosting the objective, which was really cool. So if you had the hard time against the enemy team, kind of breaking their their line, a, a legitimate strategy would be to kind of sneak behind them, blow, take out some walls, expose the objective for the rest of your team to attack on and i thought that was just the coolest thing ever i to this day i still have like really fond memories of bad company 2 and there was a rumor not too long ago that they were going to release bad company 3 and that got me really hyped up um Mm -hmm. unfortunately not not the case my number three will be a classic uh shooter that i'm sure everyone's played at some point it is, I'm going to say, the Counter-Strike series of games. Uh, specifically, oh. the one that I remember the most is Counter-Strike 1.6. Colloquially mm. wow. known as Counter-Strike 1.6 because that was the version number. Um, I don't know why they went by version number. But uh, basically, the Counter-Strike that we all play now, I think it's like Counter-Strike Go or whatever. Right? Yes. You know, this is the same formula, but the game engine is totally different now uh the graphics are probably way better but it still has that same sort of the the premise of counter-strike is short arena combat uh and you know pinpoint precision and instant headshot kills that they've turned into this competitive uh, world basically like there's professional counter-strike players uh there's like scholarships in other countries to be on a counter-strike team uh, you know, all sorts of shenanigans going on. The game is very, very difficult. I think it was kind of the father of these sort of Twitch shooters, as they call them, 
where you could just kind of flick your wrist and get a headshot with like a sniper rifle, you know, just like that. And it made for a really interesting play uh, in, a, in a world where there was games like, um, I think it's Quake, that like okay. people played like on uh, like you know, Windows like 98 and stuff. Quake Arena? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. Quake Arena and stuff. In a world where like those, that was the, the first person shooter that everyone knew about, Counter-Strike was a very different game. It was much more... Almost like that PUBG versus arcade that we talked about earlier. It was, you know, relentless, kind of like Rainbow Six. And so were those competing games, Quake Arena and CS 1.6? I, I wouldn't say that they were like competing. I think they targeted different audiences, really, but uh, because it, it was, they're just completely different games. Quake Arena had this sort of arcadey feel where you can, you know, the, the difficulty of the game was in like your movement around, around the map. Uh, there wasn't really that much variety in in, in guns and stuff. Mm-hmm. Counter Strike had like purchasing; you had to earn money. But as you killed other players, you'd earn money, and so you'd have different gear you'd have to buy. And it's modeled after this counter terrorist organizations, so it had kind of a squad based tactical like approach of clearing rooms and stuff, but mm-hmm. in a very quick pace uh, with the like headshots being insta kill and stuff. There was like hostage rescue, you know, all this stuff. So yeah, I, I think it was the first of its kind. So I, I, I don't know that it was really a competition, to be honest. But I, I think that paved the way for many of the other games that, that uh, first-person shooters that we play. This Definitely. I just, uh, I just find it interesting that a lot of these innovative games kind of originate from mods of other games, you know, just like PUBG is to Arma and, um, you know, I, like Dota is to Warcraft 3 engine, yeah. you know this game mm-hmm. spawned off of half-life and it forever changed you know shooters that's why all for all you game developers out there make sure you put a good modding system in your game because you never know what next great style of game is going to come out from the game you make all right uh where are we at number two number two mm-hmm. take it away john uh so my number two is titanfall 2 oh uh, man that is high on the list it's high on the list uh so Titanfall 2, um, the sequel to Titanfall, which uh, I was really excited for, but I think a lot of people, myself included, was a bit disappointed on what content it actually had. Um, but overall, I think that game was a breath of fresh air, again, compared to kind of the Call of Duty franchise and the other shooters at its time. Um, and I think Titanfall 2 kind of delivered on what Titanfall 1 should have been, and it kind of fell under the radar due to Again, the other shooters kind of eclipsing it. And also, like, didn't EA put, like, absolutely no marketing for that game? Like, there was no budget for marketing for that. Right. Or am I wrong? No, you're absolutely correct. So they released Titanfall 2 the same weekend as uh, Battlefield 1. and they, Which is their own game, right? Yeah. They're competing against themselves. They oh my self-cannibalized God. their own game, which is a real shame. Um Damn. Yeah, and the marketing for Battlefield 1 was absolutely tremendous. Like, I think Snoop Dogg and Terry Crews were playing on some Twitch stream. Yeah, there was, like, live-action commercials for it and stuff. I feel like if they put a quarter of the effort into Titanfall 2, it could have been way more successful. The one surprising thing about the game that stood out to me the most that I won't forget is the single-player campaign. The first game had absolutely, basically no single-player campaign. There was these weird multiplayer modes that told a story in between matches that left more to be desired um but the single player campaign in titanfall 2 is phenomenal it hands down like if you don't play anything else but the single player campaign then i would say it's well worth the play and i think a lot of people uh you'll read that online from the people who have played it but i think a lot of people still don't realize how good the single player campaign is in titanfall 2 i would say more so than doom which had a phenomenal single player campaign um Mm. I might need to check that out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there was uh, a lot of good storytelling in the single-player campaign. There's The single-player campaign also delivers uh, a chance to test out all the mechs that are in multiplayer. So uh, in a way, you get to play around with all the mechs, and you don't have to play against other players if you don't want to. But it is also a good starting point just to jump into multiplayer and kind of know what each of the uh, Titans do. And then I think also there's just overall a good blend of like comedy. I think there is a few puzzle elements to the single player campaign. Um, and just this verticality that is not present in any other game. Like I know call of duty tried to 
add like jetpacks and things like that and just never felt as good as what titanfall offered it had very very unique play the whole concept of being able to run alongside walls and jump around and like you said added a bunch of verticality to it and then you'd call down these titans and you'd like slide under the legs and jump in the back and like it was all this really cool action that came with that yeah yeah very good series. very memorable uh my number two is battlefield 2 and the battlefield series battlefield 2 was uh, a game that like john already talked about it was even larger maps and even larger player versus player population like they can have like you know battles sizes were much larger there was airplanes there was helicopters there was different um classes that you can load in as like assaults that would have like uh, assault rifles medics would have shotguns or submachine guns and snipers would have sniper rifles etc there's people who would get into like you'd join a clan and you'd you know team up with these people and and uh, and try to play the game more and you'd try to rank up like the more you played the more you would rank up and unlock more weapons but there was guys who were wholly devoted they had at home like joysticks like james has a joystick for for a star wars tie fighter game Tie fighter. people were just sitting there with joysticks and rudder pedals and a yoke or whatever and were just 24 7 helicopter pilots like <laughs> they were the best helicopter pilots in north america they were, and literally all they would do is get in a helicopter and everyone would be like no let him fly he's he's the best <laughs> and he would just take the helicopter load up on dudes fly to the objective let people jump off and then fly back to base and rinse repeat like that's all that guy would do but they were the best at it so it was a game that you literally could find a niche and be the best that you can be and join the army effectively in this virtual world and the combat felt very much large scale you know because the maps were so big and all the vehicles were there you would um join up on squads that were smaller you know units of four or five people in the larger teams of like 64 uh so you would have your own actually i think in battlefield 2 they had a specific communication system where your squad leader could could talk to the um other squad leaders on a different channel and then they can also talk to the commander who could look at the map overall and like tell the squads where to go so they had Mm -hmm. this, this structure of it where you were just if you're just like a peon, just a regular infantryman. You're just waiting for your squad leader to tell you what to do. But he was talking. He was on the the comms talking to the commander, like, "Hey, where are we supposed to go?" And like, "Hey, you know, command's telling us we got to go take this objective." You know, so it had this really cool military feel like that. Anyway, Battlefield Two and the Battlefield series. That's my number two spot. John, give us your number one first person shooter. Number one. Uh, number one for me is Overwatch. Oh damn! Nice. Um, yeah, good choice. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Overwatch. Um, I don't. I don't think there's much need for an introduction here. But you know, I think Overwatch kind of took what Team Fortress Two did back in the day, and uh, just really somehow brought the magic back and then some. I think that game is really shines and competitive when you have a full full roster to play or full team to play with that you you know regular to play with on a you know either nightly or weekly schedule. But even casually, that game is just fun to mess around with uh all the new characters they're not my cup of tea i think the original roster is definitely has a special place like i'll always never get tired playing any of the original characters the newer characters some are hit or miss um but yeah that is that same experience that i had uh moving to my number one which we've already talked about is rainbow six siege slash the rainbow six series uh okay I played a lot of Overwatch and then tried uh, Rainbow. I was in the mood to play a competitive shooter and really do well. And I found that Siege had, at the time, a little bit more of an ability to, you can you can kind of carry the game yourself. It was a completely different game, though, so there's a learning curve. But once you learned, you were able to completely take control of a game uh, in the in the competitive scene and and win and you didn't have to depend so much on having a good squad of teammates to to get you to you know to victory basically uh, we already talked about rainbow six siege and, and how great the the uh, destruction mechanics and everything were uh, so i won't really talk too much more about that but um who's your favorite operator in that game my or operators yeah the operators are are split between attacking and defending they have a different set of operators in rainbow six uh and for attacking, originally I played a lot of Thermite, 
Okay. And he was yeah, the only he was like one of the only two hard breachers that can that can breach a reinforced wall. Uh, yeah. So I liked that utility. But but uh, uh just just so the audience is aware, reinforcing a wall is something you can do towards the beginning of the round uh, if you're on the defender side and that just makes it hard for the attackers to get, you know, to destroy the wall and make it past. Right. Effectively, if you don't have a hard breacher and you can reinforce every wall in a room, then you can't get in. Yes. Um, so that's I like his usefulness in that sense. So I, I still play a lot of thermite, but uh, more recently, like like a few months ago, um, they added a new couple of operators, and the new attacker operator, which I really enjoy, is Dokabe, or as I like, okay. I like to call her, my Dokabe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she's she's a cute little <laughs> Korean girl and uh, that ass, you know. But anyway. <laughs> Um, she has a. She doesn't beat out Tachibana. <laughs> <laughs> she has um, a hacker device that, like, this. She's her whole concept is the little, the little demon. You know, the little. That's what it means, I guess. Dokubi. Uh and it's a trickster. You know, so she has this phone hack, and all of the operators' phones will vibrate if she activates it. So it lets you know immediately where people are in a room or on a map. Oh, I was wondering what that was because I started playing recently, and yeah. I'm like. I got a little notification. You're going to be found out in five seconds. Yeah, I'm like, what yeah. the hell? You have to like, <laughs> if you press the button, you'll, you'll see that cinematic, like an animation of you taking your cell phone out and trying to like shut it off. Cause she's basically hacked your phone and made it vibrate so that she can hear where you are. So that's my more uh, favorite attacking operator. My defending operator, which is kind of along the same vein is uh Caviera. Oh, okay. Uh, she is kind of an assassin stealth ish operator. Her special ability is that she, um, has a mode that she can activate and her footsteps, which are normally very loud in that game, are like very, very quiet. Yeah. And then if she knocks someone down but doesn't kill them, which she has a, a gun that helps her do that, um, she can interrogate them and then find out where all the enemies on the map are for a few seconds. That was a very powerful skill when I was playing that game. It still is. Unfortunately, yeah. she is has very little armor and can die very quickly. Very easily. Yeah. I think in some ways there's a lot of similarities there and that kind of hints at something, some sort of pattern that we're seeing that Overwatch and Rainbow Six both have this sort of, you know, the the characters are unique and a strong selling point to playing the game is having, you know, your favorite uh, character. Who do you play? You know, who do you main in Overwatch? Who do you main you know, in Rainbow Six? You know, the little intro videos for Rainbow Six is actually surprisingly well done. Like, it's fun to watch those, you know, introductions and kind of decide what you're going to play next based on that you know it gives you a sense of identity too when you have your character that you play because they're so different all the characters when you are good at a certain character maybe better than other people it gives you that sense of identity that sense of uh you know this is my main this is my character this is who i am exactly this is who i cosplay i cosplay caviera (laughs) sexy brazilian chick you know like I'd like to see you cosplay that. <laughs> uh, that that is our top five. James, are you alive? I'm glad to see you're with us. Yeah, well, I'm here. I feel uh, I feel we're leaving James out. Well, let's not leave me out anymore, and uh, we can skip ahead to our uh, endorsement. Yes. I don't know uh, if we told John about this. John, do you know we, we'd like to endorse stuff at the end of our podcast? I'm not familiar with this portion segment. Okay, so. Let's uh, I'll, I'll go first and then we'll go to Leo okay. and then we'll put John on the spot. So okay. usually what we've uh, usually what we do is we uh, endorse, you know, uh, maybe a totally unrelated game we've been playing, maybe a really good movie we just saw. Maybe it's, you know, I don't know, a good book, a good uh, device, a good, you know, whatever. OK, I am going to endorse a a very uh niche thing i guess and this really only applies if you um are dumb and lazy like me and have disposable income i am going to endorse creating a smart house oh god (laughs) yes yeah i know it's dumb uh but i uh have replaced each and every light bulb in my house with philips hue smart lights uh so i can control them with my phone i can control them with my voice i can make them dumb colors i recently bought uh the uh roomba vacuum which is 
really, really convenient. Um, uh, you can, again, control it with your voice, control it with your phone. But I, I, I really enjoy in our new apartment, we have a whole lot more square footage and we have just hardwood floors, which we also own a cat and the cat uh, sheds a whole lot. And it is really evident on the hardwood floors. And it's just very nice to come home and the floors are all clean because the Roomba has ran previously. There's not cat hair everywhere. Uh, so that's nice. Uh, I've been looking at uh, smart uh, doorbells and uh, all smart nonsense. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's very dumb, it, it, but it makes me happy. It's- Smart the smart houses. house thing is something that makes a lot of sense to me, and I totally agree how awesome it is. But at the same time, it's just laughable. It's just oh, it is. It's just, it totally I just is. picture you sitting there talking to your house, like you know, I, it's just silly to me. Like, what? yeah, oh, it definitely is. I don't deny hey, that. I I can uh, I can get behind that. Like the lazier you are, the better off you are. So. <laughs> All right, uh, my endorsement for this week's podcast is along the in the spirit of PUBG and um, the Battle Royale games. I had James play a little bit of this with me very briefly right before the show. This is a website you can go to called survive.io. Well, it's really survive. There's no E in survive, so S-U-R-V-I-V.io. And it is... PUBG in essence, but as a 2D top-down browser game that you can jump into very quickly, uh, maybe even in a conference room at work or something. You never know. Uh, <laughs> we were on lunch break and everyone was uh, was talking about this game. Effectively, is PUBG has the whole battle royale concept. That everyone connects and there's like 50 to 100 other players. Um, they do some interesting game design things mechanically to like make it play better on on a 2d space but the games are faster if you like PUBG, but you wish the games were shorter and also 2d for some reason uh you can go and play that it's just quick you get in there you you get some chicken dinner uh and it's it's a lot of fun a quick chicken dinner (laughs) (laughs) all right uh john i'm gonna put you right here on the spot uh do you have anything you can endorse sure um there's the show I'm getting really into called oh, okay. into, ooh, ooh. into the Badlands. I don't know if you guys heard of it. Uh, that's the one with like the the martial arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's fantastic. Looks dumb to me. Yeah, it looks dumb. Yeah, it looks really dumb. Yeah, it is. It's very dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very dumb in a very good way. All right, sell um, me on the show. Sell what me is on it the about? Show. Come on. Okay, so the theme, the the premise of the show is that. Uh, it's some point in the future. It's a post-apocalyptic uh, uh, setting where uh, the world has regressed into <clears throat> these uh, societies where uh, there's no advanced technology or there's very limited advanced technology. And so people now fight with martial arts to, to determine control of certain things. Um, but basically, uh, the main character is this guy named Sonny. He is the, he's the regent for the government uh, that he's in, which is basically just a title that means he's an ultimate badass. Um, <laughs> um, but kind of the choreography and the special effects are over the top. And that's why I love it. <laughs> there's like there's like insane like it's really over the top and that's why it's like extremely pleasurable to watch. Um, but there's these scenes where like someone throws a shuriken, and then like five guys fall to the ground and <laughs> uh, no, that, that over the top yeah, is basically what it looks like. It just looks over the yes. top. Yes. Uh, it, it, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like the room, but the room is kind of funny and, and it's production. <laughs> not the room. Sorry. What? I jumped there. Not the room. Uh, that was it. The protector, the protector. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay, room, okay. Like okay. We just talked about that. Whoa. <laughs> oh, Whoa. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> so it's it, like the room, but Tommy Wiseau has kung fu. I would also yeah, watch that, that movie. Good, actually, yeah. So it's like the protector, but I think it's a little more serious, and the and the universe is a little more interesting um, in, in terms of why he's fighting, and he doesn't really want to fight anymore, but he's kind of stuck having to fight, and so okay, um, yeah, yeah, pretty good. I would recommend it. Season one and two are on Netflix. It's an AMC show. 
Uh, season three is currently airing. So, all right, very cool. That was into the Badlands. Into the Badlands, yes. All right, so uh, I think that's going to do it for our show. What What is our topic next week? Did we decide on something? Um, nope. Well, hey, we need to come up with a topic after we close the show. Um, Surprise! All right. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Surprise Thank topic. you guys for having me. Yeah, I, thanks for joining fun. us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that we got to have you back yeah. soon. As soon as we figure out what the next topic is, I guess. All right, so um, for the Good Games Podcast, I am James. I'm Leo. I'm John. And we'll see you next time. See ya. Plus, the the main, uh, you know, female action hero was a total badass compared to, like, Bruce, what is his name? Uh, what are you uh, trying to come up with, James Bond? Pierce, Pierce <laughs> James Bond. Sorry, sorry, James Bond. But oh. I was trying to say, you know, what? What's his name? Pierce Pierce Brosnan or whatever. Bruce oh, Bear. okay. I thought you were saying Pierce Bond. <laughs> Pierce Bond. The name's Bond. Pierce Bond. <laughs>